In this episode, Megan shines a light on the topic of choosing to be child-free, starting with how a childhood accident shaped her thoughts around motherhood, making it easier to picture a life without children. We explore the importance of being happy in yourself above all else, the benefits and challenges of being child-free, choosing your people or even your golden girls, breaking the stigma around what it means to be child-free by choice. My name is Alice Dadler-Stewart, and you're listening to Infertility and Us. Welcome, Megan. It's really good to have you here today, and I thank you already for being open to share your story and talk about a topic that I think needs a voice and many more conversations. So on this podcast, I've been speaking a lot with people who are going through the messy middle of their fertility journeys. And today we'll be tackling a different topic that also has quite a bit of stigma attached to it. And that is choosing to be child-free. I'm so curious. What made you want to share your story? Yeah, thanks for having me here. And thanks for creating such a space for this, for people to be talking about it. Yeah, so I've seen you talk about your infertility journey and I heard you request, like, does anybody have a story that they want to share? Although I can't feel the same kind of loss, I did feel like not having children was also something that not a lot of people talk about. And whether or not it's by choice or because in my case, it's by choice. But what does that look like? How does that come about? How does somebody choose that? And also to kind of bring awareness to the younger generation, especially because I grew up in the Bible Belt of America, where kind of written in your code, that's what you do. You go to college, you find a husband, you settle down, you have kids, you live your life. I also feel like it's necessary to tell my story so other young people, men and women, can decide then, like, is that something I really want to have rather than society, parents, religion, telling them, whether it's directly or passively, that that's really what their mission is in life or that's what the purpose is, is to be a parent. Yeah, and I'm hearing that that narrative you said it was so embedded in our code growing up, was so strong. Can you tell me a bit more about, yeah, growing up with that strong narrative and what led you to that point for yourself, actually realizing, oh, I'm not sure if this story will be my story or if I even want that to be my narrative. Yeah, definitely. I mean, growing up, there was nobody in my life, in my family, who didn't have children. So it wasn't like I had any kind of role model. Everybody grew up, they got married, they had kids or divorced, but everybody had kids. Nobody I knew didn't have kids. It's not something where it's like, you know, the fish doesn't realize it's in water type of the thing. You know, you don't realize that there's another option because you don't have any experience with that. So I think I didn't even process this like at all, that there was an option until I was probably in college. But the mental part of that started much earlier because when I was four, we were in a quite severe car accident and actually so much so that they didn't know if I was going to survive. My liver was ruptured and they did an extreme amount of x-rays 
all the time watching to see if it would stop bleeding by itself. So I was told growing up that given the age at which this happened and the amount of x-rays that were going on during that formative years of where you're, you know, maybe I wouldn't have kids. Like maybe it would be more difficult. Um, which I, at that time I was like, okay, that's just something, whatever I'll figure out later. But I think at that point in time, it was already in my brain, like, oh, that might not be an option. And I don't remember that being a bad thing. I remember it being like, okay, well, that's just the way it is. I didn't really have a choice about that. And it wasn't until I was in college that I also started thinking about, you know, usually the typical thought is if you want to have kids, you need to have a partner. And usually of the opposite sex in order to do that naturally. And I also was in the position of going, well, I don't know if I'm ever going to find a partner, you know, specifically for my case, a husband. So I naturally fell into this. I need to be really happy with who I am because I see people getting married, getting divorced, getting crushed because they can't have kids or getting crushed because they have kids and they didn't want, you know what I mean? Like all of these expectations, but especially the expectations of people who want something that is out of their control and not being able to get it and therefore having that dream crushed and then not knowing what to do with their life. So I decided at a very young age that I just need to be 100% okay with me being alone maybe with a dog for the rest of my life, you know? And once I had that in my brain, then if I had a boyfriend, that's great. So that was kind of the evolution was not sure that I would ever be able to have kids to where I was like, okay, then if I don't, then it's not a big deal to the point where I decided that, no, I don't think I really want to have children because that's not the life I want to lead. Wow. Can I just share here how an aura I am of your younger self? You said you were in college when you were already having these thoughts. Hey, I need to be happy with myself. Like that should be the first thing. And if I have a boyfriend later, yay, cool. Let's see where that takes us. I'm hearing that you were having those conversations or those thoughts probably a good decade ahead of me <laughs> and ahead of many, many of us. Wow. So already at a young age, you're already having these thoughts yeah. about your future and about the importance of being close to yourself first. I'm, I'm really amazed. I think I have to attribute most of that probably to my parents and the way I was raised because I also never really felt like also being female, being a woman was like some kind of different role that I had to play. My brothers and I, we all grew up on a farm. We all had the same responsibilities. So I wasn't treated any differently as being a woman or a girl. And I think that made me incredibly independent. Well, I am incredibly independent. And I think that a lot of that was from the way my parents raised me. But yeah, when I told my mom that I didn't want to have kids, yeah, was she a little devastated that I was no, no grandchildren were coming from this way? <laughs> yes, but I wouldn't say I would. I mean, I had lots of heartbreak when I was in my early 20s, of course. I mean, but when I remember distinctly when I was at family functions and my aunts, my women in my family would say, I'd say, I don't think I really want to have kids. I'm not sure if I'm ever going to get married. And they're like, you'll find the right guy. And when you find the right guy, things will change. And I remember thinking to myself, it's like, I think that these women sometimes are telling me this because they really are 
envious that I've chosen a lifestyle with no children, even though they love their children. I know every parent has thought about it at some point in their time, like, oh, what would my life be without kids right now? And maybe they don't want that, but they've thought about it. And I have a feeling sometimes people project a little bit on people who don't have children, this kind of like, you can't have that lifestyle. You'll want my lifestyle eventually. Don't worry, because they can't imagine how somebody could choose to have no kids. Yeah, it reminds me of this Instagram meme that's going around like, how can you not want this? And you're, and you're dying inside. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Don't yes. be stupid, Andre. Everybody wants this. Everybody it's, wants this. Yeah. It's a scene from Devil Wears Prada. You just assume this was my way and it should be like this for everyone. And I think you already at an early age had thoughts around what it means to be a woman, what it means to be female. And your upbringing was incredibly independent, which allowed you to already question, well, I am a woman, yes, but does that mean by default that I have to be a mother in order to be a fulfilled, happy woman, you know? And I think other people seeing that might feel, I don't know, it might feel uncomfortable for them. Yeah. And I do want to put out there that I did want to experience childbirth because I thought, oh, that's going to be awesome. I will do that one time. I wanted to be a surrogate, actually. And I had friends who were having trouble getting pregnant. And I was like, can I be your surrogate? I did research that if you want to do it above board in the U.S., most of the places say you have to have given one successful birth before you can surrogate for somebody, which makes complete sense, right? I mean, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of trauma, a lot of emotions. And you don't want somebody who's not able to, you know, give birth. You want somebody who's done it before to know. And so then I wasn't able to experience that part and even help people that I love because of the rules that were there, which again, valid rules. But I thought in my mind, because I'm very data driven, I thought looking at childbirth, like, oh, that should be an experience I want to have, but not at the expense of having children that I don't want to have. So yeah, I had to sacrifice the feeling or the, you know, that experience of being pregnant because I think in the greater scheme of life, the, the nine months of the experience, which I would have liked to have had, did not outweigh the lifetime of knowing that I would have a child that would love, but, you know, I didn't really want to have. Mm. So you were really curious about having that experience of carrying a child and giving birth, but it didn't have to be your own child necessarily. I find that really interesting. And it's a new thought for me as well. What would you say made it important for you at that time to have that experience or to know that you could have that experience? Well, I think it was the, hey, I've, if I'm biologically sacked with all of these extra problems for being a woman, because as a biological woman, there's so many extra things that go wrong with your body that, that don't go wrong in a male's body just because of all the extra stuff in order to have a baby. I thought, well, if I'd been given all these extra things to have this child, that would be a really good experience to have. I was in my 30s. And then it wasn't like it was such a strong feeling that I would have gone out and tried to do something about it. But then it paired at the right time with really dear friends of mine that were having trouble having a baby. And I thought, two birds, one stone. I could have this really great experience and I could help out friends that I love dearly achieve something that they want to achieve as well. It was more of a giving thing. It was like, how can I help my friends with this gift? And, oh, I have this perfectly good system here that's not being used. I can help them out. And I know some 
you know, some psychological things come with that, you know, the connection that you might feel with the baby that you're carrying. But I know that there's a lot of women that do this and they come through that perfectly with a good sense of that they've helped somebody else out. Thank you so much for giving light to that experience. I think it's wonderful that we can talk about this. Mm -hmm. And it's that innate curiosity, like, oh, what would it be like to be pregnant? And what would it be like to help a friend of mine, you know, create the family of their dreams? I mean, those are beautiful thoughts, actually, Megan. Wow. I'm so touched. I actually want to backtrack to something you said a little earlier, if that's okay. Sure. And that is, you mentioned the moment where you told your mother that you didn't want to have kids. And I'm really curious about what happened in that moment. And if at all, that has impacted your relationship with your mother, with your parents? I don't actually remember the exact moment I've told her because I think it had come up multiple times. You know, I think she kept like checking the waters to see if I still meant it multiple times in my 30s, you know, checking in. Are you sure you don't want to have kids? But nothing really pressured, I think, because at the time my younger brother had a child. So we have a grandchild in the family. So that kind of ease that a little bit but I don't know if anything really changed um actually I think what changed the most in our relationship is when I moved overseas away from home so and the fact that I'm in Europe and my family's in the U.S. and if I had chosen to have a family here I think that would have had even a bigger impact because then the kids would have been so far away you know so, no, I think my mom's pretty okay because she ended up, my parents ended up raising my nephew. So it was kind of like they were parents all over again. Instead of mm. being grandparents, they were parents. So I think that that probably had a big impact on both my, my mom and my dad not really not pressuring me or really giving it much thought because they were kind of preoccupied raising my nephew. I think they really stopped asking after I told them that, my husband doesn't want to have kids either. So it was kind of like, oh, okay, well, that's that. Then they haven't asked probably in the last 10 years. I hear you. And that would have been my next question, actually, was you bringing that topic up with your now husband. Can you talk us through that? Yeah, sure. So I met my husband when I was 32, somewhere in there, early 30s. So we met in Switzerland. And about three months into dating, where I could feel like, oh, okay, maybe this is something that is going to last a little longer. Let's see. And I am not one of those people that is shy about talking about these things or how to bring this up. So we were on a walk one day. I remember we were walking up into a little wooded area and I, it, three months is really still fresh, you know, in a relationship, but also not wanting to have kids is also a huge topic. So it's like, I <laughs> one of those things that I think that should be brought up very early in a relationship. So I just told him, I said, I'm going to tell you something. We don't need to talk about it, but I need to tell you. If you want to talk about it now, that's fine. If not, then you can let it sink in and we can talk about it later. But I don't want to have children. And he looks at me, we stop, and he's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> And then we proceeded to take this like three hour walk where all we did was talk about this. And again, this kind of cements the idea that, OK, this is a person that I know that I wanted to be with anyway. And now that we've kind of opened that topic up and 
I mean, I don't think there's even a month goes by that we don't reaffirm that we've made the right decision for our relationship early on. And yeah, no, now we we love our friends' children. We play with kids all the time. It is not like we're children haters. People often think people who don't want to have children, like, hate children. Like, no, I, I love the, my friends' kids. And but, you know, I like to give them back at the end of the day. That's the great thing about being an auntie and uncle, is it? <laughs> yeah. And I'm the one who can spoil them, bring them stuff and throw them around. And yeah, I like doing all that stuff. But I also like sleeping in till nine o'clock on Sunday. <laughs> I'm raising my hands and like, it was a win for all of us because I agree. <laughs> Megan, there are three things I want to just pick up on there. Two things around how you were communicating already really early on with your husband you brought up a really difficult topic and you gave him permission to just let it sink in and say hey we can talk about this later I thought that was really beautiful and as a lesson in communication for a lot of couples two I love that even now all these years later you're constantly reaffirming in your relationship yeah we made the right decision for us that's beautiful and you brought up the next thing, and I love that you're preempting my questions. You already picked up on a really big misconception, like, oh, you don't want kids. Does that mean you hate kids, like, per se? Big, big misconception, which you already said, actually, no, that's not the case. Let's clear the air here. What are some big misconceptions around choosing to be child-free? Yeah, that were selfish, that you should have kids, because that's Selfish in the respects that, like, you two are both smart, well-educated people. Um, but, yeah, so it's kind of like almost a feeling of, like, doing our civic duty. Shouldn't we be passing down our genes to some children who might cure cancer in the future? I don't think we've ever really discussed it to that level, but it's, like, that kind of thing. So being kind of selfish, maybe that's one thing. I would say we don't really get a lot of pushback from people. Typically, the response is from other parents the typically the response is oh okay that's nice they don't have much to say maybe they talk about it on their own but I don't know if we have experienced a lot of people who put it in a bad light necessarily I think the biggest one is like so you don't want to babysit like I'm like no I'd love to babysit let's yeah sure let's babysit I don't mind if they spit up on me it's okay you know what I mean I'm not repelled by children I don't know if we've been in a nice bubble or I would love to hear what other people's reactions are, but I definitely feel like my social life has shifted because actually when I was in my early or late 20s, before I moved to Switzerland, all my friends were getting married and having kids. And then I start to feel like I'm always the third wheel and they have their lives are started moving on. I think maybe that's the biggest impact now that I'm saying it out loud is that you see your whole social life shifts and you have to start finding other people who aren't married or other people who don't have kids, right? Because now the people with kids are too busy. And unless you have kids at the same age, you're not doing the same thing as them. And it's the same thing here in Switzerland. You know, I have friends who I met before they had kids and now they have kids and I see them twice a year. The people I see most frequently are all people that are childless. So um, it really does shape the social lives. It really does. And I can only echo that. I do have a lot of friends that do have kids, but maybe the kids are already a little bit older. 
I have also had that comment because they know that my husband and I are struggling to have kids. Um, I was once at a family gathering and one of the people there had a newborn baby. They were really lovely about it. They're like, would you like to hold her? Like, I think she was a bit scared of hurting my feelings. Like, will it hurt you to hold a baby? Is it that painful? I was like, oh, I'd love to. I'm the first one to put my hand up. Like, give me the baby. I will look after it for the rest of today. She did it very well. You could tell that she was really nervous about hurting my feelings. But like you, I also do enjoy auntie duty where I can give the child back at the end of the day, mainly because I'm a big fan of eight hours sleep. I think that would be the biggest thing that I would personally struggle with is the lack of sleep. Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely enjoying that in the meantime. <laughs> So you've said that your social life has changed and I don't know if this is related at all, but I have spoken with someone recently who could not have children and she's much older than we are. And she's now hit the age where her friends are grandparents. And so there are grandkids around and they're always talking about their grandkids and they're so in love. And she's now, maybe it's another social shift where she's finding it difficult now to connect with her friends who are grandparents and she's feeling that loneliness. And I know that this is different, but I feel like that's something that we also don't talk about is what it will look like later in life as well. And I don't know if this is an insensitive question. You can always check me, but have you and your husband thought along yeah. those lines in the future? Yeah. Yeah. We definitely had that. So one, I have a nephew who loves me dearly. So I feel like We've got somebody who's younger and can hang out and he loves Switzerland. I'm secretly hoping that he will move to Switzerland and then I can become like the grandma to his kids, you know, because he wants kids. So that's one thing. But the other thing is that, and this is really where this kind of the data and unknown aspects come in. So when we talked about having kids, you know, like whether, you know, the conversations we had about kids, he's like, well, you never know what you're going to get. You have no control what comes out. You have two people with the same genes and you can have five completely different children come out of that. And you have, as a parent, really have no effect on your children past like the age of five. They're their own humans, their own things. And you can instill some, maybe some values, but their personality is their personality and you just can't change that. And so... We came to the conclusion that even if we had children, there was absolutely no guarantee that those children would be around for us when we need them when we're older. And we wouldn't have expected that anyway. You know, I don't want to have that, you know, put a burden on a child. We have done a really good job of preparing for our future financially and with aspects of how, where we want to live when we're near the end of our life so that we have proper medical care. We said, let's take care of ourselves the best we can. And that's what we'll do. Because even if we had children, there's no guarantees. So that's kind of the way we approached it. Yeah, it would be nice if my nephew's around when we're older and if he has kids. But uh, I mean, most likely, you know, women live longer than their spouses. So I'm planning to do the Golden Girls thing when I'm older. And I'm oh, trying yes. to collect my Golden Girls. <laughs> oh, what, what an aspiring goal. 
Yeah. Okay, I'm going to work on this too. I love it. It's just in case it's like, we can just have our own house. We can have someone come in and cook and clean if we want, because we're all going to be wealthy old widows. And then we'll craft all day and read books and craft and play with our cats and dogs. And okay. that's the way I want to end my life. If my husband dies before me, which I hope he doesn't, but if he does. Dear husband, that is not what we're saying, but we have a contingency oh, he, plan. He knows. He knows about the golden girl thing. And I think he'd rather go first because I don't think he has a plan like that. And that I, sure. I'll be okay. Because actually going back to what I said at the beginning, I don't need my husband. I told him this at the beginning. I don't need you. I'm fine. I'm okay on my own, but I want you. I want you in my life. I want to be with you because I love you. But by all means, yeah, if he was gone tomorrow for some horrible reason, I would mourn. I would be in pain for a very long time, but I know that I would survive and I would be okay eventually. And I think that there are some people out there that they lose themselves in other people. And then when that person is gone, they just don't even know who they are anymore. And I feel sad for those people because I feel like you always have to live with yourself. So you should always be number one. You should know yourself the best and be okay with yourself. My synapses are going wild right now because you've said so many really fascinating things and I want to dig deeper. But the word that keeps coming up for me now through what you've just shared is the word choose. You choose yourself, right? You learn to do that at a really young age, to choose yourself and be happy with yourself. And then, yeah, if someone comes along, fantastic. Mm -hmm. You choose him. You choose each other. And you keep doing it. It's not we're married and that's it. It's I still choose you. Well, technically, we're actually not legally married. And we did that on purpose as well, primarily for taxes in Switzerland. There is absolutely no legal binding for us still to be together. So we do choose every day to be together. And some people say, well, you should just get legally married then. But again, that came about because if we're not going to have kids, why? And if we have to pay more taxes just to be married, why? We don't need that piece of paper to be committed to each other. And that commitment oh, but is choosing each other again and again and both yeah. being, yeah, both being on the same page. Yeah. And we just said, okay, we're husband and wife now in our eyes. I love it. Coming back to choosing, because that's also part of this red thread is choosing to be child free, feeling empowered in that decision. Choosing your golden girls, by the way, I'm already thinking of mine. I think this is so beautiful and it's also in a way choosing your people like I've been having this conversation more with myself with my husband for me having a family always meant children however going through this experience of wanting children but not being able to have them has made me have to internally reframe that and I'm actually happy to be able to do that that Having a family or being a family can actually be very different from what we've been taught. Our family, as I see it now, my family is Martis and I and our cat Luna. And we are also complete that way. You know, there's nothing missing and maybe a little bit like you. We are complete. If a soul joins us, beautiful. We are not empty because we're not able to have children. I can only say from my point of view what I see with other couples but when I see couples that have children and they kind of lose their relationship in the kids you know either they were not together long enough to establish that they are the team and now the team is having a child or 
one of the team really wanted kids more than the other one. And so it's kind of like, okay, we're going to do that for that part of the team. But it's now the whole focus is really just on the children. And I admire the parents who can really keep the relationship front and center. It's us first, Mm -hmm. then the kids, because the kids are going to have their own life and you guys are together long after the kids are out of the house. So that's one thing I think that's really interesting. And the other thing is I'm an avid RuPaul Drag Race fan and always the queens are talking about the family that they choose often because Mm. their family rejects them because of their choices in life and because of who they are and the way they want to live. And I always get really teary during that time when they talk about this. My family's great. I love my family, but not everybody has that. Not everybody has a biological family that support them. So choosing your family and whether you want to call them your friends or your family, I think the point is that they're the people you can trust, the people who are going to be there when you need them. Choosing your people, I think, is a really important thing in life. You know, choosing intentionally. Okay, Mm -hmm. are these really people we want to be with? like as long-term or for this season of your life, right? Because you move, people move, and your family changes just because of location or whatnot. So, yeah, it's like losing a family member if somebody moves away, you know, because it's difficult. There's loss there too, isn't there? Also, not being originally from Switzerland and yet living here, it's my second home. My second family is here. My parents are in New Zealand and they experience severe loss when... I decided to come here again because I moved when I was in my 20s. We did have a stint when we were back in New Zealand for two years and we'd been back for a year again. And that was difficult for my parents. They felt that as a loss for me, but also for my potential children because they are so in love with the idea of being the grandkids to my kids. They are already grandkids too. So that did give me a bit of breathing space for a few years. But no, I think they envisaged being really close and I know how that has been painful for them. And, you know, it's something I would love for them to experience. It's something I would love to experience being a grandma, but kind of like you, your conversation now is really helping me also open up my peripheral vision here is, you know, what does it even mean to choose a family? We can also choose our grandkids. I mean, I like that idea. Can I choose my favorite nephews, nieces to be my grandkids or their kids? Because by all means, of course, if you're bound by something beautiful and bound by love, like why can't you have such a close relationship with someone else who's not even maybe not potentially blood? Like we can really open up our thinking here, which I think is very inspiring in your story too. Yeah. And it goes both ways because I lost. All my grandparents are gone and I was really close to both my grandmothers and they died within a year of each other. And I think last year I was in a home improvement store in Germany. We were standing in line waiting for something and there was this lady and she was wearing a scarf and I could tell it was hand knit because I'm a knitter. I just was compelled because when you're a knitter, you just have to talk to other knitters. So it was my best German possible. I started a conversation with her. So we were chatting and then uh, I was just really, one, happy to have this wonderful German conversation, but I was just like, how weird would it be if I asked for her phone number so I could adopt her as my grandmother? Because like, <laughs> that's what I wanted. And I really felt like this. I was really sad when I walked away and I didn't do anything when I was like, okay, well, 
maybe finding a random stranger in a home improvement store isn't a good way to adopt a grandparent. But the thought did cross my mind. It's like, how could I find a new adopted grandparent just to have that presence in your life, you know, to have an older presence in your life? I wonder if she thought similarly, oh, she could be my granddaughter. We could talk about knitting. She might have had a similar thought. We'll never know. But isn't that a beautiful thing to think about? My grandparents also died when I was young. With one pair of them, I was particularly close, and they died within six months of each other. Uh, that was quite a hard time, and I remember very keenly in those years following, and even here and there now, when I meet older folks that I feel a connection with, or I just really vibe with, or they're just so kind, and they have that like squishy, lovely, powdery smell and feel to them. I'm like, oh, can you be my grandma? Can you be my grandpa? That would be so nice. I don't think we're the first people to have these thoughts. We're just talking about them out loud. Yeah, it's beautiful. Gosh, this has been really eye-opening for me. I have friends who are also child-free by choice, and I know they would have more questions for you. What are some questions that we haven't covered that you often get when you share that you're child-free by choice? So we didn't talk yet about the fact that I can't have children anymore, even if I did want one, because I have had a hysterectomy. And I'm wondering if that's also because of my age. I'll be 44 next month. I got more questions about in my 20s mm. and then I was in my 30s. I was in Switzerland and people are not as into mm. your personal productivity as they are in the U.S. In the U.S., everybody will just ask you straight out, why don't you have kids? And so I think that 20s, everyone's kind of like, oh, well, it's okay. They don't have kids yet. But in my 30s, then I think with the culture shift, because it is a culture shift, people in Switzerland, they don't get into your personal life as much unless you're really close friends with them. I just don't think it actually came up as much. When I was in my late 30s, I had my hysterectomy. But even before that, a year before that, my husband got a vasectomy. So we knew like we were kind of closing that door and our friends knew that was going on, but everybody kind of already knew we didn't want to have kids. So it was kind of like, okay, they're just kind of making sure. But the hysterectomy mm. was purely because my uterus was overgrown and it was causing anemia. And then if I'm not going to use it, just, you know, get rid of it. So I'm healthier. Like mm. if somebody had questions, I just answered them. I wasn't super sensitive about the topic because it wasn't something that I wanted and couldn't have. It was a choice that I made. So I was really happy to talk to people about it. Being child free other than like, oh, it must be really nice to do whatever you want whenever you want. And it is. But yeah. I can see that we also need, we also like to have projects because if it's just the two of us, you know, we have our own schedules, we have our own jobs, but you know, sometimes it's nice if we have a project that we can work on together. And I can see that that's something definitely with parents that have kids. The mm. kids are the project, right? You know, you have to align your schedules. You have to, you know, talk about parenting. And so we actually have to fill more of our life with other things. And sometimes that can be a little boring if you don't have something going on. And it can mm. feel a little monotonous at times. Because you're like, oh, today is the day and tomorrow's the next day and the next day. And there's nothing punctuating that like a child who's just lost their first tooth or going on a family vacation or things like that. I think you have to be in the right mindset. You have a lot more opportunity. It's like having a big menu option at a restaurant. You know, it can seem overwhelming 
I think for some people, life is easier when they have less choices. And mm. when you have children, you have less choices because you have to, you know, the choice to have children is a big one and it takes away a lot of other choices and options. And for some people, I think they like that structure. As a parent, you can put other things aside because you put your children first that maybe you should talk about. And that's, I think, a lot of times why some people get divorced after the kids leave. Probably they should have gotten divorced a long time ago, but they stay together and they don't think about it because the kids are a huge distraction. They're not focused on something else that maybe they should talk about as a couple. I'm speaking out of turn, though, because I don't, that's not what we're going through. No, and there's no harm done. I mean, this is a gray zone and it's different for everybody. Every parent will see this differently. Every individual will see this differently. And there's no harm in just talking openly from different angles. I mean, from your angle of being child-free, my angle of being child-free, not by choice. You know, we're allowed to see things differently. We're allowed to talk about things like this in an honest way, because these are the kind of conversations that we don't casually have over coffee. Or maybe I do because I love talking about stuff like this, but many people do not. So no, I think it's very valid to talk about those things. I also don't have any informed opinion, you know, yeah. on that, not being a parent myself, but it's just interesting. And we can only notice what we see around us. It kind of brings me back to how you started talking about coming back to yourself, like you seem like someone who's very in tune with themselves and not afraid of having maybe difficult conversations, you know, knowing that you're living an intentional life and there's no shame in that either at all. And I think that's um, a really powerful example about how life can be done differently when you have different wishes for yourself. So I'm wondering at this point, is there any message or wish that you have for others out there who are maybe in the early stages of this conversation with themselves, maybe thinking, I might actually be happy without children. Is there anything you'd like to share? Yeah, I think it's, well, number one, I think that there are people who don't like to talk about it. And I don't think you should feel because people are talking about it that you need to talk about it. Some people are just more reserved and they don't feel like sharing. I think is perfectly good. And, and that's another reason why I think having podcasts like this or books or anything where people who do feel comfortable talking about it can share so that people still get the information and still can see themselves in other stories and potentially feel a little bit more relaxed or that they're not alone. I think it all comes down to knowing yourself the best. What do you want out of life? What are your major life goals, right? And if having children is not number one or two on that list, I would always reconsider what, you know, if you're not like my mom, she knew when she was young, she wanted to have a big family. Like that's what she wanted to do. She wanted to be a mom. So I think those are the type of people that need to be parents. It's a big commitment bringing life into the world. It is okay to second guess that. It's just okay to think about it again and again and again. Oh, but I would say every young woman who thinks that they might want to be a mother should freeze their eggs when they're 18. As soon as they're old enough, freeze those eggs. And that way you have this little backup plan in case you can't find a partner later on, in case you decide when you're 45 that you now want to have children. Because that is the limiting factor in a woman's biology are those 
little tiny eggs and they just get older and older and older. And I know women who wanted to do this in their late 30s, early 40s, and it's just too late. That's what I would tell myself, even if I wasn't sure if I was going to have kids, just to do it, get those eggs somewhere secure, that somewhere later on, even if I can't have them, then you know at least you have a surrogate. So I know that's kind of a counterintuitive coming from a person who wants to be child free, but I feel like that's also not something that we talk about is women being able to plan properly according to their own clock and not necessarily to the biological clock. So maybe there's women out there who want to have kids, but they definitely don't want to have them in their 20s. And by the time you're in your 30s, you still have more complications than when you're younger. And that's difficult to tell somebody when they're 15, 16, 17, mm -hmm. thinking about what they want to do with their life. You know, they don't even know who they are then. So I think my biggest thing is really helping young people understand more who they are what they want out of life and being okay that if it's not what the rest of society wants you to have out of life. And I feel like this younger generation that's coming in now are more in tune with that in terms mm -hmm. of living a more fulfilling life rather than just getting a career and having kids. I firmly believe that the parents will continue to get older and older before having kids. So I'm actually really excited to see how that works because I feel like that's mm -hmm. already happening that the younger generation, the kids right now are saying, no, we don't need to do it the way our parents did it, like every generation says. Yeah, lots of really interesting points there also on the topic of raising eggs, which I feel like is a topic for another podcast okay. for sure. I do have a friend who did this in her 20s because she informed herself and she made a decision. I know it's expensive. That's something to keep in mind. It's not oh, a cheap true. thing to do, yeah. especially at the age of 18. But something that we can absolutely do better for ourselves and the younger generation is to make sure we're getting the right information, informing ourselves about our own bodies, learning about our cycles. Sex education has to be more than putting a condom on a banana, please. Sex education has to be so much better. My sex education was really limited to that. We need to do better by talking openly. And I think our education system also has to do better by making sure that our kids are informed. And I know that that's a difficult topic, but it's something I feel very strongly about. And if I do have children, that they have the full picture. They won't thank me for it probably at that age. And that they yes. also know that having children isn't the end all in life. I think that would also yeah. be an important message to share. Yeah, family planning is definitely, I mean, who teaches you family planning? Like you have to kind of stumble through it and it would mm. be nice if young children knew a little bit more about what family planning means and how life changes when you have kids or if you don't have kids. I don't even remember my sex ed, honestly. If I don't remember it, it was probably like 30 minute movie sometime in health class in my high school years. And that was it. Mm -hmm. But I lived on a farm, so I knew how things worked. We were informed by nature, <laughs> the best way. Yes. <laughs> when you're sitting at the dining room table and you see the cows going at it in the backyard, you, you know pretty quickly how things work. Absolutely. Gosh. I'm taking away a lot from this. I think my highlight is already me thinking about who my golden girls are going to be. I think they know who they might be. <laughs> Thank you so much for being so candid. I love your energy. You're so positive about this. For me, the word choice just keeps mm -hmm. shining through. And that's such an empowering thing. And I think the gifts that you have as well to show like, yeah, you can choose. And we choose every day. It doesn't stop. Life goes on. I'm wondering, finishing up this conversation, if there's a word or an image 
that kind of encapsulates this conversation for you, what would that be? Like a light bulb, new ideas, new thoughts, but also illuminating kind of, you know, your inner self. Like I said before, like knowing yourself better. I think a light bulb, honestly, because I also haven't recorded my story before. I also had my little light bulb moments of articulating it for myself as well. And then, as I mentioned before we started recording, I sat down and talked with my husband about the episode. And I wanted to make sure that nothing was sensitive for him that he didn't want me to share. And also that was a illuminating little light bulb mm-hmm. conversation with him as well, because we don't really sit down and talk about it so thoroughly. You know, when you have a screaming child next to you on the train, we look at each other and give each other a looking, you know, a knowing lens that, you know, good, we don't have kids, but we never really sat down probably in the last seven or eight years, really had a thorough conversation. And I think some of the things I told him, he was like, oh, I didn't realize that. So a lot of light bulbs for me and light shining on the topic as well, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a really beautiful way to put it and summarize it. And I'm happy that that also sparked a conversation with your husband. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Megan, because again, your story is one that we don't hear enough. Thank you for putting this experience and this choice to words.